Hi everyone. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening for whichever part of the country you are joining in. My name is Aman. I'll be taking today's webinar. I'll take you to this uh, uh, entire journey from assessment to certification. That's that's what our agenda is. But uh, a small intro from <clears throat> my side. So my my name is Aman. I have over 10 years of experience into cybersecurity. I have worked with multiple industries working in multiple sections within fintech as well. Uh, I have over seven plus uh, years of experience auditing and consulting. Uh, I hold CICSP, CCSK, ISO 27001, LI and LA and many more certification. I, I was an ex-PCI uh, QSA and ex-PCI CPSA as well. I hope uh, so. This is this is small introduction about me. I hope uh, uh, you will enjoy today's webinar and you will get knowledge from this. That's what my expectation from this webinar is. So without wasting much of the time, let's dive into the agenda. What we're gonna cover. So in the agenda, we will we will try and we will touch upon the definition of PCI DSS. That what is PCI DSS? To whom it is applicable? Okay, uh, we'll, we'll look at, uh, at, at a very high level uh, of the PCI DSS requirement. Yes, we have covered this in our uh, previous webinar as well, but yeah, a little bit of overview on the 12 main requirements or rather say six goals of PCI DSS. We will look at that as well. Then we will go with the initial assessment phase. That's how your, your assessment will start within, within any given organization, how to do the initial assessment of uh, uh, with respect to PCID as a standard. <clears throat> then after initial assessment, we will discuss what, what things comes as a part of gap assessment, how the gap assessment will be performed. Then we'll fall into the remediation stage that wherever the gaps or the findings, uh, uh, whatever have been identified from the gap assessment stage, how those will be remediated, basically defining a high level process for, for remediation as well. And then following what 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 is the next step after remediation when you have remediated all the gaps within PCI DSS. Okay. And finally, if we will have time, we will take some uh, questions or probably if we don't have time, you can you can post your questions in the group or, or the chat and uh, we will try to respond over FAQs or via email as well. <laughs> so. Uh, a few things about InfoSec train. So that that organization was established in 2016, and yeah, it is well recognized organization when it comes to security training uh, with respect to cybersecurity. Uh, we have wide range of professionals, not only in, in the information security, but it, when it comes to uh, ethical hacking, penetration testing, those kind of activities as well. And the experience of the professional who have made these courses, or let's say in the in the company, it's is over 15 years. So, yeah, and the client base uh, of InfoSec train uh, uh, tells much of the story. We start with Tata Communications and into the government sector like SBI. Then we have Big4 here, EY as well. So see the variety and the diversity uh, of the clients and you will see how, how uh, good uh, we are when it comes to information security trainings. What difference uh, we, we, we give you like post completion of training, we, we also give you support. There is a group that we form and whatever there are questions, we try to discuss them. 
access to recorded sessions after a certain i think it's a six month or one year depending upon yeah subscription and all but yeah we have global learning partners like microsoft comcia iapp and asaka so yeah so this is this is why uh, infosec train now deep diving into the, our, our webinar directly so what is pci ssc so pci ssc is nothing but the body uh, made by five payment brands namely visa discover mastercard jcb x uh, and amex which is american express now we'll think why pci ssc okay so pci ssc basically stands for pci payment card industry security standards council but why so first and the foremost reason is consistency in the standardization so before pci ssc was formed in early 2006 or 2004 uh, these payment brands were having their own compliance uh, or let's say cyber security requirements so if you are doing with visa or if you are doing with mastercard if you are a service provider or a merchant then you have to comply with visa cyber security guidelines mastercard as well yeah so i was saying when when before pci ssc was born visa and mastercard were have, having their own cyber security guidelines so if you are a merchant or a service uh, provider and you are dealing with mastercard visa or, or any of these service uh, brands then you have to comply with uh, the compliance or the cyber security guidelines for each of these brands so this this was causing uh, much of the problems because yeah one waiver was okay with uh, visa the same waiver or the same gap with mastercard was not okay so there was there were much uh, you know uh, much of the buzz in the market that how how we can do business with all of these payment brands so then these five payment brands those were the major payment brands uh, they came together and they formed pca ssc and the first and foremost thing that 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 took care of was the consistency and the standardization so it was created to establish a unified and consistent set of security standard for payment card industry so and and it bits standardization as well that yeah whatever visa is agreeing mastercard is also agreeing on the same because the standard remains the same what is the standard we will see okay so collaboration in the distributors so when these all payment brands joined together they built trust and the collaboration and they they brought their own experiences own own uh, cyber security guidelines they collaborated together they made one standard that is called as pci dss okay so that's why pci ssc was born and it helped merchants as well it helped service providers as well where and if you comply to pci dss standard that means you are complying to visa guidelines as well you are complying to mastercard guidelines as well and what is now pci dss so pci dss stands for payment card industry data security standard okay it is a set of basically uh controls uh, that is designed uh for the industry that are involved in storing processing or transmitting of the account data okay so either you are storing it no matter what in a clear text in an encrypted format you are processing it for some kind of payment or let's say uh, any request that has come to you uh, chargeback something like that or you are transmitting it you are taking the card from the consumer and you are transmitting it over a channel uh, 
it can be point to point it can be mpls uh, it can be over the internet ipsec whatever then you come into the scope of pci dss and you have to comply with pci dss standard okay account data is equal to cardholder data and the sensitive authentication data later we will see what are these two terms now let's first deep dive into what is into initial assessments so initial assessment is before even going into the gap assessment phase let's do organization has decided yes we will go for pcds as a standard because we fall into category like we are storing transmitting or processing uh, the cardholder data so let's do initial assessment where we are so the first very step into initial uh, assessment is identifying the key stakeholders when it comes to key stakeholders you start within your organization itself who are responsible for managing processing or transmitting of the cardholder data this may include your uh, IT, uh, your compliance uh, domains, you, uh, finance departments and whatnot. So you have a list of your, you know, departments and then you start, uh, you know, uh, collecting those information. So identification is the first step. Then comes defining the CD boundary. CD is card data, cardholder data environment where your cardholder data either gets stored transmitted or processes so you have to define those boundaries where should your card go or where your cards are going okay which department basically again it, it may flow through routers it may flow through firewalls databases okay it may be going to finance department for some kind of chargeback or something like that so those 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 terms comes into picture uh, here okay after defining the boundary asset inventory becomes a most critical part because without assets nothing is possible and yeah this is the first step where, where, where uh, you start putting down anything on the paper basically writing down the asset databases servers firewalls everything through which your 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 uh, uh, you know uh, card is going basically within the boundary of the cd and finally classification of the data whether the data is uh, uh, cardholder data or sensitive authentication data or is it a data that can impact the security of the cardholder data or the sensitive authentication data so that's where the data classification comes into picture then determine your network boundaries so once you have asset in place your asset inventory is there now you determine from which devices or the assets your your, your data will flow so that's where you define your network boundaries over there and then you do the data flow analysis so you have your cd boundaries defined you have your network boundaries defined now you draw the data flow diagram and do the analysis yes my data is flowing from this server to this database via this application via this switch this firewall then comes the vendor assessment it's not only you because in identifying the stakeholders there would be some of the vendors as well who who would be your interested parties during your initial assessment why because yeah you do not do entire gamut of the thing yourself but after doing certain activities let's say storing transmitting or processing of the card or the data okay you need to send the data somewhere for for the next action those will be your vendors okay if you if you have any or directly you are transmitting to visa and master visa and master those will not be treated as vendor because yeah those made the pci console but other vendors like let's say paytm 
uh, uh, let's say HDFC bank or something like that. And then you have to do the analysis whether your vendors are also compliant to PCI DSS or what in what format they get the data. Uh, they are getting it in hash format or they are getting it in, uh, let's say. Then we have to document the scope. So you have to document the scope basically. So you have your asset, you have your network boundaries, you have your data flows, you did your, uh, you know, vendor assessment. Now you have entire picture over there, which determines what can be the scope because everywhere they where the card is flowing up and down. Okay. And uh, left and right, those will be part of the scope. Now you have to document the scope that yes, this is my PCI DSS scope. That comes as part of PCI DSS initial assessment and the scoping. So now your scope is defined. Now when you have your scope, then we will fall into next step. But before going to next step, let's discuss the card. We are talking about multiple things, but what will come as a part of scope when it comes to when you're defining your CD boundaries and all. So first and foremost thing here is the pan. So it's the 16 to 20 uh, uh, sorry 12 to 19 digit character mostly 16 okay uh, that you see in the front of your uh, credit card or, or or debit card is is pan so it's, it lengths vary from 12 character to 19 character most common pan is yeah uh, of 16 character here in european countries i have seen uh, pan with 19 characters as well i have never seen a pan of 12 uh, characters as of now but yeah, and just uh, just uh, additional information. Then you see your name there. You see your expiry date. Uh, then you see uh, the uh, CVV number, basically CID in case of American Express. So it is it is printed in front of the card. That's four character. Okay. And then at the back of the card, we have uh, CAV, CID, CVC, CVV2. All are same. Okay, three, three digit number basically depending upon all payment brand, which terminologies they, they use. This is for the authentication. Okay. Then you have a magnetic stripe over there that has three tracks basically track one, two and three for payment majorly track one and two are required. Okay, majorly track two is required. If track two fails, then the fallback mechanism is track one. And then finally, you have the signature panel over there. On front of the card, there is a chip as well. Where and all the data that is in the magnetic stripe is presented in this chip in a secure format. Okay, so basically, when you insert this chip, rather than the magnetic stripe, which doesn't provide any security, the chip provides additional security because the chip mutually authenticates itself with the terminal as well. Right. So yeah. That's where the chip comes into picture. It, it has a track equivalent data. So track equivalent, that means track one and two equivalent data in chip with some additional information for security. That's why the chip were introduced. Because they involve uh, public and private key cryptography wherein they can mutually authenticate the terminal. We're talking about everything and not discussing this slide because this is the most uh, important slide will not make any sense that what is what is coming under cardholder data and what is coming under sensitive authentication data so the cardholder data comprises of the primary account number uh, the cardholder name the service code the expiration date now sensitive authentication data has full track data that magnetic stripe that i showed you track one and track two then we have authentication data cav 
you authorize the payment either positive or negative that you are going with the transaction or a bank is going you are allowing your transaction to happen or for some reason the uh, authorization is failed and then you decline the decline the payments okay so either you approve or decline the payment till then you can store sad so authentication data can only be stored till the transaction is authorized it can be declined or it can be uh, approved now comes uh, to the part of cardholder data where in uh, everything is allowed to be stored except for the pan which is allowed to be stored but you can only store pan when it is unreadable when is rendered unreadable okay and there are four ways that are defined by uh, pci dss uh, through which you can uh, render it unreadable number one is encryption number two is tokenization truncation and hashing so with these these four method you can render your pan unreadable and you can store the pan as well okay now after the initial assessment we know what what is uh, um, uh, what are a stakeholder what is our scope uh, and yeah boundaries data flow and all blah blah things we have we know what uh, comes as a part of card what is cd what is non cd now is the time to perform the gap assessment the first stage is the preparation wherein you gather relevant pci dss documentation including the current version of pci dss standard saqs whatever is applicable to you okay we know that there are still two standards of pci dss that is live and audits are still happening on both the standards uh, 3.2.1 and recently came 4.0 okay so in the preparation stage you you decide whether you are going for 3.2.1 you are falling in uh, you know uh, level 1 compliance or you are you you are a level 2 service provider or a merchant wherein you have to deal with saqs self assessment questionnaires okay those kind of stuff comes as a part of preparation then comes interviewing the stakeholders so when you do you have your list of stakeholders from the initial step you start interviewing them that yeah whether they they know the pcids is compliant whether they know their responsibilities what they are doing everything those kind of interview you start taking depending upon which team works into which department interviews can be held by internal compliance team whosoever is the internal auditor uh, but this should be independent okay and this goes in conjunction with reviewing all the 12 requirement yes we know that pci dss has six goals and 12 requirements so 
we have to interview stakeholders plus we have to review all the 12 requirements so it's not only 12 requirement but when you go into control wise or let's say requirement wise they are i think around 300 plus uh, 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 things that you 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 have to check as per pcids standard and then obviously you have to document the finding so what whatever whatever gaps you have identified by reviewing by interviewing the stakeholders you have to document those findings uh, formally and then you have to agree with the stakeholders it's not like you have documented it and the stakeholder says no uh, i do not agree with this i have some xyz mechanism in already in case something like that agreement is very much important because yeah only after agreement the remediation phase will start okay and once you agree with all the findings and the gaps with the with the stakeholders reporting becomes even important because senior management will be interested to know where you stand when it comes to pcids assessment okay so you have to document all the findings including uh, a report can contain a high level overview that yes this uh, goal or this requirement has six findings this goal and this requirement has seven findings kind of those step those report you can make and then finally you can have a detailed report as well that what these are the gaps that have been identified now as we know there are two standard when it comes to pci dss those are live uh, as of now with pci dss 3.2.1 that you see at the top is 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 going to expire uh, in march uh, 2024 but still if any any organization that is a, uh, that has been certified for let's say uh, this 3.2.1 uh, uh, till March 31st, okay, then again they have to go for 4.0 in next year, that is 2025. So still 3.2.1 plays a very big picture and still very important. But yeah, all those uh, uh, 3.2.1 and 4.0 have same goals versus the same 12 requirements, just the wordings have been changed. So let's see what, 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 uh, you know uh, these goals are okay so when you see all uh you know one to five they have multiple requirements in the, into them okay on the left side you see uh, in the bold is the goal on the right side it's the requirement under those goals so yeah so the, the the first one which says uh, uh establish and sustain a secure network that's the first goal so this involves installing maintaining firewall and secure configuration and keeping the security software up to date. So basically it's all around the network and the systems, how do, how you apply, what kind of configuration you should apply, blah, blah, blah. So those kind of stuffs come into the goal number one. Now you have to protect the cardholder data, or let's say you have to rather protect the account data, okay, that we discussed earlier as well. So organization must encrypt the card uh, holder data during transmission, storage, and implement uh, implement access control restriction around that. So basically, that's to uh, basically to protect unauthorized access to to let's say uh, uh, yeah even if somebody gets the, the the data is unreadable. So make the data unreadable. Okay. The third one talks about the vulnerability management, basically <clears throat> regularly updating, patching, uh, okay, and developing the secure applications. So kind of those stuff uh, with requirement five and six, that's goal number three. Goal number four talks about 
all uh, the access control basically on a need to know basis or um, let's say uh, on a logical access basis and and the physical access basis so uh, basically assigning unique ids uh, trying to avoid uh, uh, try, trying to avoid uh, generic ids unless required or approved by management okay multi-factor authentication see from where to where you are jumping within the network controlling that flow as well okay number 10 uh, number five uh, basically requirement number 10 and 11 goal number five talks about uh, in, uh, regular monitoring and testing of the network yes obviously you have implemented all the requirement but that's of no use if you are not testing it okay so you have to test and monitor all all the thing basically conducting uh, vulnerability assessment okay ntps incident management kind of those stuff everything so that you can monitor and test and finally you have to maintain a policy so that all these requirements from 1 to 12 can be governed so overarching policy wherein you can say yes my pci dss standard or my organization that complies with pci dss standard this is the overarching policy if you look at this you will get to know how we are complying or what we are doing to comply with PCIDS. So this this overall goal from 3.2.1 to 4.0 remains the same. Yeah, some controls have changed obviously because 4.0 uh, brings up more maturity. Uh, 3.2.1 is still is very important. So uh, number one is still valid uh, and it builds the base for 4.0. So understanding of 3.2.1 should also be there. Uh, when it comes to PCIDS standard versus 4.0, which when you will read, you will you will get to know. Okay, 3.2.1 is builds my base for 4.0. Moving ahead, now we know we have the gap assessment report. We we know the goals. We 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 now know the 12 requirements or the six goals. Uh, the report is also ready. The management has reviewed. Now what's the next step? next step is remediation in the remediation step the utmost important thing is understanding the deadline so why deadline is important because when once you are dealing with card relevant data or let's say sensitive authentication data or cardholder data you are already against the deadline wherein you have to comply with the standard as soon as possible so if you are a merchant and you have a governing body or let's say service provider, small or big, doesn't matter, okay? Then the body above you will already be forcing you to get uh, compliance or uh, get yourself compliant to the PCIDS standard. So yes, understand the deadline since uh, till when you have to close the gap, okay? Then you have to prioritize the gap. So it's not like, yeah, the obviously you will go for the low hanging fruit, but let's say there is a big gap in the system where in your entire system, server, application, code, whatever you think is, is not looking good or not in line with PCIDSS compliance, then you have to, you know, uh, you know, prioritize those as well, where in a special, uh, let's say, group. Uh, who who works on those technologies needs needs to sit and, and and make a project plan that how we will close this gap. So those those are the prioritizing uh, prioritizing the gaps. 
there is one all uh, one tool as well which is available from pca council uh, that's called prioritizing approach you can utilize those tools as well wherein all the things all the requirements are listed over there available obviously free of cost in pca dss website you can utilize that tool as well using that tool uh, to prioritizing the gap can can also be can also be done or you can always have your customized ones okay do a cost benefit analysis now it's not like you should always go for the costly solutions okay yeah pci dss is 100% compliance but it does give you a little bit of leverage when it comes to let's say compensatory control or something like that so you do not need to implement uh, uh, the complete set of all the standard rather for few controls wherein you feel okay i have few compensatory controls in place uh, i can put those control rather not complying to control uh, mention control directly but i'm meeting the intent of the requirement in that case you can think of a cost benefit analysis whether you are going for uh, you know the intended control or in intended mechanism to to, uh, to resolve the gap or you are doing a cost benefit analysis and you say that yeah these controls can suffice and can meet the intent of the requirement and then you start putting you know uh, those controls instead of the actual one yeah roi is the main main thing that's that that's what the organization look for so yeah why not do a cost benefit analysis and cost benefit analysis will, will will also come into picture when you do your risk assessment so obviously where there are gaps those those gaps needs to be put into your risk register okay and yeah you know how risk risk management works in the end when you go to the risk treatment before risk treatment what you do you do a cost benefit analysis and think of the other controls so that that's what will help here as well okay now once you have done the cost benefit analysis now graphs are prioritized you know your deadline identify the controls that needs to be implemented okay so you have the gaps versus the controls now you have to identify about let's say you have five controls okay this one is uh, best suits with this gap let's go and uh, implement that one so you have to identify those controls per gap and after identification of control let's say there's a five for database five for it five for uh, monitoring team five for incident management team so these are the five 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 gaps okay you have to assign the responsibility who will be doing it okay because without assigning responsibility yeah it, the the entire project plan or let's say the remediation will will look scattered okay so that's why assigning the responsibility becomes very much important and most experienced guy or let's say most responsible guy should be assigned responsibility and not only with specific uh, let's say technology like it databases uh, compliance but there has to be someone at the top who should be looking around this entire process uh, for every department within the organization so that he should report to the management on a timely basis that yes this department is doing fine this department needs attention this department requires money to implement the control so this responsibility within the department plus there has to be someone overarching this entire process of remediation then it comes for implementation of the control so once you have assigned uh, the responsibility everything is laid down the foundation is there now implement uh, the controls that's how you move up in the ladder here implementing each and every control that has been decided uh, in the identification phase itself 
identification of the control you start implementing within the deadline keeping the deadline always in mind so deadline is some something that you you should always keep in mind the sooner the better because the, the penalties with respect to pca dss is very high if there is any breach or or delay or something like that visa mastercard will not even listen to you anything they will start imposing penalties so penalties are very very high when it comes to pca dss okay now you have implemented the controls amongst every department your your uh, your remediation plan is complete uh, you have closed all the gaps now it's time to test the control so if you will not test the control how will you get to know that whatever you have implemented identified is working as per plan okay so now you have to test it depending upon yeah it's a database it's a firewall it's a server application what kind of test is required as per pcidss standard obviously we will not design our own controls it will always work in line with pcidss standard requirement number 11 you have to test the control and monitor the control over there 10 and 11 requirement that talks about testing and monitoring of the control is it working as per uh, design okay and finally you will close the gap basically the report that that has come to you and you will report to the management that yes my gaps are closed here is the evidence i have tested it as well we are well within the timeline boundaries as well now i consider my gap to be closed here is my report and finally the overarching person will look at the evidence who is working independently obviously so he will close the uh, uh, go, uh, gap and he will report to the management that yes, this department or this person has finished his, uh, you know, um, uh, responsibility and he has closed all the gaps within PCIDSS uh, as per PCIDSS uh, requirement, which falls for his department. Uh, we have done everything. We have done the initial assessment. We have done the gap assessment. Uh, now we have done the remediation. We know all the 12 gaps. Uh, so it will requirements uh, what what can be stored what cannot be stored now is the time to go into the next step so this is not where the pci dss stops now you see how how big this pci dss is even with after remediation is it doesn't stop next step is engaging a qsa who is a qsa qsa is qualified security assessor so there are qsa organizations within uh, let's say every part of the globe okay and those uh, organization sponsors few people okay who can go and give or take qsa exam okay because uh, and they can be called as qualified security assessor and they are the only one who are responsible to certify your organization or let's say attest your organization that you are in compliance with PCI DSS. So to be a QSA, you need to get yourself into QSA organization. And then you have to take a QSA exam, PCI DSS QSA exam conducted by PCI council. And then you will, if you pass, you will, you will be called as qualified security assessor. Okay. And then only you can go and do audit for organization who, whatever organization employ you as a QSA to do audit for themselves. Okay. And then once you engage the QSA, what is your next step? Prepare for the assessment. Obviously, you have your report, you have assets documented, you, are, you have your scope documented, you have everything, you have closed us. So you start preparing for, for, for um, 
for the audit that's the final audit that i'm talking about okay start by priori prioritizing on everything okay now after you have prioritized there comes the assessment process where and depending upon yeah on site remote uh, whatever audit uh, and that that mode of audit is preferred mostly if it's a level 1 merchant or let's say level 1 uh, uh, service provider those qualify for on site audit that means qsa will come uh, to your premise and he will audit your uh, organization basically the cd or the scope part basis that he can pre uh, prepare his report so he will come on site that's if if only if you are a level 1 merchant or a level 1 service provider what are the levels those we will talk about uh, during our training that's that's upcoming I'll, I'll highlight you about that as well then finally let's say the assessment process is carried uh, carried out the qsa reviewed all the 12 requirements within within your uh, uh, you know uh, organization and he also find yeah even you closed all the gaps you he also was able to find something like uh, yeah minor gaps or major gaps something like that yeah mistake can happen that yeah the gap was not identified by your organization but it was highlighted by a qsa even then uh, qsas are flexible uh, yeah audit has failed over there because yeah uh, it's a final audit still there is a gap but every qsa is little bit flexible they give you some time at 7 days or 15 days within the audit you have to close that gap and you have to report uh, to the qsa that yeah i have closed the gap here is the evidence so yeah that's that's the flexible flexibility is there over at least when i was a qsa i was um, i was giving those flexibility to my clients that yeah you can close the gap within seven days after after the final audit and you give me uh the report uh, or the evidence okay so yeah uh then finally closing the gap you will provide the evidence to qsa that is also very much important either you can keep your evidence with yourself you can demonstrate that evidence to qsa the only thing is that whatever organization keeps the evidence has to maintain the evidence for a period of three years because pci council can come and pci council can ask for those evidences so if you are sending the evidence to a qsa company or to the qsa now it's his responsibility to maintain that evidence for a period of three years okay so let's say if you are having audit on 15 september 2023 then for next three years till 2026 okay 14 september 2026 you have to maintain the evidence of this particular audit okay so this is this is how the evidence part works and finally once the qsa is certified uh, satisfied that yes everything is closed this organization has no gaps because pci dss has uh, uh, yeah, required to be 100% compliant there is no like yeah uh, basis risk we are accepting this risk or something like that no not at all pci dss is always 100% compliance once the qsa is satisfied he will give you attestation basically that is called as aoc attestation of compliance and the qsa that uh that an organization uh sorry the qsa to which he is associated to that organization will also give you a certification that yeah uh, something for branding and all so but the only document that matters to pci council is the attestation of compliance that yes this uh, uh organization is certified to or attested to pci dss so what pci council is interested in or the other 
let's say uh, other uh, payment players like merchant or service provider who are above you are interested in they are interested in aoc okay attestation of compliance so this 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 uh, uh, completes from you know initial gap assessment to achieving the certification phase now pci dss is is uh, not i would say uh, one time journey it's it's a continuous process okay so by continuous compliance it means that when you will go into in depth uh, you know a requirement uh, one by one or controls one by one in the pci dss standard you will feel that there are certain activities that you need to carry out daily there are certain activities you need to carry out on a weekly basis monthly basis quarterly basis half yearly basis and yearly basis so it's not like one time show that yes you have uh, you have come uh, you are compliant to pci dss standard uh, then yeah the game is done and also this is only valid for one year so every year this this uh, from initiation to gap assessment to engaging to the QSA and getting the report, this this is an annual process. So every year, so it's not a easy compliance to achieve. It's not an easy standard to to uh, you know uh, to achieve. In depth understanding of this standard is very much required, especially if you are going to you know associated with with one of the you know uh, companies and you will do uh, you know QS you will become QSA and you will do auditing and all so thorough understanding of this standard is very much required and when i said every day that means security log should be reviewed every day that these are the few example uh, uh, weekly basis uh, i could take example of file integrity monitoring that that file integrity monitoring software should check uh, you know should run every week so that you can check uh, which files have been uh, you know on a th modified uh, uh, without permission or something like that on a quarterly basis vulnerability management okay uh, you have to check uh, uh, that you every let's say uh, if you are doing uh, any vulnerability management uh, activity on 1st october then in december 31st that's one quarter where it ends your that report is null void then on 1st january 2024 you have to again run the vulnerability scan yeah plus minus 5 or 10 days happens but yeah, you have to maintain the quarter after quarter. It should not happen that, yeah, you have to present four reports to an auditor and you do after uh, all the four reports at an interval of 15 days. No, that's not going to work. It has to be every quarter. So that's that's how the seriousness comes into, you know, implementation uh, uh, organization or the organization who is dealing with PCI data. And this this SS report repair and report that is from identifying to scoping to everything so that your your scope is up to date your assets are up to date okay and then you do the gap assessment okay and on a timely basis that can be six months or let's say every quarter and then you do the reporting so that management should know either you are in line or you know or you are moving away uh, in the away direction what is required by PCID is a standard and they can bring you back on the track so that every gap is closed before again uh, before the next year comes into uh, and yeah QSA comes again to 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 uh, for the audit again so yeah you should you have to be in compliance with PCID as a standard every time every minute every second of the year that's how the continuous compliance work yeah
highlighting uh, so this this was it a little bit highlighting on the summary uh, but yeah uh, we we studied what is pci ssc why pci uh, pci ssc existed what were the challenges that merchants and and the payments brands were facing uh, during uh, during early uh, early phase when when pci ssc was not born then we studied about PCI DSS where it is applicable. Basically, any entity that is storing, transmitting, and or processing the account data, that is card order data plus sensitive authentication data, will fall into the gamut of PCI DSS and they have to comply with PCI DSS. Then roadmap from uh, you know uh, initial preparation phase till uh, achieving the compliance, basically leaving the AOC and the certificate. That that's what that was our roadmap, end to end, and then element involvement payment basically yeah, yeah over which entire PCI DSS runs basically chip, pan, magnetic stripe, CVV expiration date, okay, track one, track two, those things, and continuous compliance and why it is important 